Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 16. Today is Thursday, February the 20th, and my name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. We are really thrilled to be getting back on track for the last slate of episodes of Season 4, and uh, thrilled to have one of our two guests with us today. We'll talk about her in just a moment. Um, Suhas Uliar of Oracle, who is their vice president of assistance, AI, and integration within the business, is not able to join us uh, for reasons we're not going to go into. He will be a guest before the end of the season. We will have him on. Who we do have with us, and I'm very grateful for it, is Corinne Kleinman. Corinne, am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Of Georgetown University. Corinne, this is special. You are the first undergraduate student that we have had on this show in four seasons. Take a moment. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you're doing with Georgetown. Tell us where you are right now, because it's a little bit different, (laughs) and what you hope to do with voice technology and AI. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, this is really exciting. Um, I, so yeah, I'm a student, student at Georgetown. I'm in my junior year. Um, but this semester I'm studying abroad in Edinburgh. Uh, I, I'm at the university of Edinburgh. Um, it's currently snowing. Um, but, uh, so, um, I'm studying um, computer science, and I'm also uh, have a minor in or getting a minor in linguistics. Um, and I'm really interested in voice technology and also uh, the overlap between um, computer science technology and also linguistics, um, and sort of seeing what you can do with that. That's fascinating. How do you, just out of my curiosity? How do you arrive at being interested in that? Tell us a little bit about how you, what, what turns you on to that? Um, so I really like computer science. Um, I really like my classes. I like sort of um, the way you have to approach programming and um, thinking about computers and sort of problem solving in that way. Um, and then... I did this really cool class. I've always kind of been interested in languages, but I did this really cool class my sophomore spring um, that we studied um, Egyptian hieroglyphics. Um, And it was such a fascinating class and sort of thinking about how language has changed um, and like the way it changes um, and sort of seeing how... uh, researchers um, have used um, technology to um, get a better understanding of uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics really sort of like started that interest. And then um, I continued to take classes uh, like natural language processing um, that have like really sort of helped to develop that interest. Very cool. Yeah. I think it's just phenomenal, you know, uh, about this emergence of voice technology and the AI that sits underneath it, that um, just the way that it unites um, the harder skills, the the software development and the coding and things of that nature with the softer skills, like 
the language arts and that that linguistics knowledge and and intent and meaning and all those and, and how we communicate. I think that's super interesting. So thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you for setting some of your time aside to be part of this with us. I'm super excited. With that, we'll get to the news. Story number one, in a special BBC report, former Amazon executive admits turning Alexa off when not in use for privacy reasons. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm going to preface it by saying, I think it was season two. I forget what season it was of This Week in Voice where we had um, one of Amazon's Alexa champions on the show. And she was talking about how, uh, so Alexa champions are people that Amazon just anoints, hey, you've done some really cool stuff with Alexa. We're going to start calling you an Alexa champion and celebrate your, celebrate your work publicly. So um, this Alexa champion, this software developer in the space, talked on the show about how, um, you know, she and her children uh, develop for uh, Alexa and develop voice experiences and have fun doing it. But at night, when they're done, she unplugs all of them. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was utterly fascinating. What are your thoughts as you see this article and um, see the reality that, uh, you know, you got former Amazon people saying they don't really trust it. Do you trust voice assistants, uh, the mainstream ones, uh, or, or do you not trust them? Share, share with us your thoughts. Um, I personally am a little wary of sort of Alexa and the Google Home sort of technologies. Um, be, um, like, I, like, I always have been. I'm not, like, didn't, like, have, like, distinct ideas why. Um, my dad has an Alexa in his apartment, and it freaked me out sort of, um, the fact that everything, all the lights were connected to the Alexa. So you couldn't actually use any of the light switches in his apartment because then it would like screw everything up. Um, and so like sort of the idea of talking to essentially a technology, like, like trying to have a conversation with what feels like should be a person, but is not actually a conversation is kind of weird to me anyway. Um, and then sort of reading this article and um, learning about the technology, it's, to me, it's kind of, my first thought when I was reading it was that um, so many people don't really think about it. It's like the Alexa is just something that's kind of there. And like, if you're listening to music or wanting to hear the weather, like it's something that's part of your home and you don't necessarily think about the consequences um, and what what else the device can be listening to. Um, And sort of even the fact that um, like Amazon, um, uh, important people at Amazon have concerns and um, it's, it's definitely worrying to see like its popularity in the marketplace. What what would it take, you know, so there's been this sort of evolution of, of on this issue of it was discovered that the all these companies were using human beings 
to sort of go behind the technology and listen for the purpose of quality control. Um, and to a large degree, that's now sort of been dismantled uh, after public backlash. Are these companies moving in a direction that will make you more comfortable um, given, you know, you as a young person in college, you know, you're, you're growing up with this technology, you aspire to be in the space. Are the comp- these tech behemoths, are they moving in a direction that makes you more comfortable or are they just sort of sitting out in space, not making you more comfortable at all? And there's really nothing that could be done to make you more comfortable. You're just always going to be wary. And that's just, that's that. I think to me, what is the most worrying is that we're relying on these sort of giant tech companies to be making sort of ethical decisions. Um, and like, um, because like, currently a lot of what um, these companies are like, how, how they change their practices is because of public backlash. And there's not sort of a lot of legal um, uh, like restrictions that um, are being put in place. We, we've um, had several uh, conversations about sort of data ethics in some of my classes. Um, and so to me, I think until there's more um, outside restrictions, um, I, I will personally continue to worry about what um, these companies are doing because it just sort of feels like they're mostly out to make money and like they're only going to change those policies when it kind of stops making money and it starts putting them in a bad light. Hmm. All right. So you're, you're a, um, you're an (laughs) anti-capitalist. Just a little bit. (laughs) Hey, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's allowed on this show. Um, So yeah, interesting. So so you're in you're in favor of regulation. You're certainly not alone. Um, thank you for the comments on that. That's that's we're going to hear a lot more about that in 2020. I can tell you that. Um, story number two, the Voicebot.ai story of the week. Glad to be back having Voicebot.ai stories of the week. Um, if you don't know what that site is, and you're watching the show or you're listening, as I say every week, uh, please fix that for your own benefit. Sorrents introduces Cognitive Arbitrator to make it easier for cars to offer multiple voice assistance. They're going to be at the Voice of the Car Summit in about 40, 45 days talking about this. So the next event on our docket um, in the Voice First event series. So this is getting at this issue that several different types of companies have struggled with on how to incorporate multiple voice assistants. Um, you know, some companies have not viewed it as important, and so they just go with one. Others have tried to incorporate multiple voice assistants in a number of different ways. Corinne, when you see this, um, and you see what this company is doing to in, to negotiate having voice in the car in a way that they think most people would want, what are your thoughts? Uh, you think this is a necessary step they're taking on, or you think uh, this really doesn't matter? It's probably a waste of time. Um, I mean, honestly, for me, it kind of feels like a waste of time. 
Um, I, I, I drive a lot. Um, I grew up in Virginia, so kind of driving everywhere. Um, and to me, I don't know how necessary a, a lot of features are. I mean, I like reading about like the new feature, like the ability to pay for gas by voice. Um, it sounds interesting. It just, it, 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 it doesn't feel sort of necessary. Um, and I also um, would sort of be hesitant um, sort of uh, seeing how, at, how much adding um, like voice assistance like does to um, like attention to driving and uh, sort of like safety on the road. Cause I mean, like even having sort of like Bluetooth in the car can kind of be a little bit worrying like with like taking calls while you're driving um, and sort of like, like distracted driving. Yeah, I, I, there's there's a there's definitely a debate on yeah. um, whether what it's it's what role. How are we going to limit voice in the car? Um, yeah. you know, what what limitations are we going to place on voice in the car so that it is not distracting and it overall adds value rather than subtracts value um from from the safety and everything going on in the car <clears throat> it's interesting to think and um you know one of the things we've seen with voice assistance in the car is that it's not a top reason um it's not a number one or even number two on motivating somebody to buy a new car nobody's buying a new Acura because it's got Google assistant in there rather than Alexa. Like nobody does that. However, we have seen, and the data has shown this, and these automakers are keenly aware of it, that um, while it's not one of these top preferential, you know, considerations, it is high enough on the list to where it serves as a tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. So if I am considering, you know, two cars, got a Kia over here and a Mazda over here, whatever. And I like them the same. And uh, one of them, and they're the same price, basically. One of them's got Alexa in it. And the other one's got Google Assistant in it. And as it turns out, Alexa is what I've got throughout my house. Well, then we have seen, and the auto auto industry has seen, that in the case where there's a tiebreaker that's needed, that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's super interesting. And uh, that, with it being a tiebreaker, these automakers have, have really been aggressive in um, – in thinking about the technology and incorporating it. And, um, and so I guess my question for you is, do you, number one, do you view it that way? Number two, what do you think, do you think that um, we'll end up seeing something like that in other environments in the office or, or even in the home where 
because um, that's what Sorrence is doing. They're, they're creating the opportunity to choose between multiple voice assistants because they don't want you to say no to buying a car because it doesn't have the voice assistant you want in it. Um, do you see more of that playing out or you think that that's, you, you know, you sort of indicated it's a waste of time. It, you, do you think that we'll see more of this or, or this is going to be pretty short lived? I, I would personally guess that we'll probably see more of it. Um, because I think voice technology is something that's not going to go away. And I think it's going to become something that's more prevalent, sort of everywhere. Um, like, uh, I, I, like, I just, I think it'll sort of start coming into sort of different products, um, like kitchen products, um, and, um, like just general things in the home. Um, I, I still sort of am not like, to me, if I was going to buy a car, I, I personally wouldn't even care if it came with sort of a voice um, assistant. I think that's me personally, um, rather than something that would be necessarily a greater trend. No, that's interesting. So that's good to know. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, because uh, obviously different groups of people look at cars differently. And I think, um, I don't know, I've thought about it for myself. I, I think that, I definitely think that I would, um, it would swing me one way or the other. Um, but I could, I could see the thought too, that, well, you know, uh, maybe I'll just replace stuff in the house. I it's, a, it's an interesting conversation, and it's one that we look forward to delving more into in April. Uh, I'm going to move on. Story number three is Samsung integrates Netflix into Bixby Voice Assistant. My question for you here, it's definitely a storyline for 2020 as far as voice is concerned, what Samsung is doing with Bixby. Um, they've rolled out a Bixby marketplace where... Um, Individuals and companies can create voice experiences. Bixby capsules is what we call those as opposed to Alexa skills. Um, and they're definitely gaining some traction. What are your thoughts on Bixby? You know, you're, you're a young person. You're looking at getting into this all as a career. Um, Alexa and Google Assistant have grabbed a lot of headlines. What are your thoughts when you look at Samsung and what they're doing with voice? Share, share those with me. So, I I mean I to me it just sort of seems like something to um, like their own sort of form of competition um, with Amazon and Google, um, and so to me, um, I to, to me like like I don't necessarily see um like to me like it's hard to sort of like differentiate uh uh but between like between um like in like the individual platforms like the way I would look at something would be okay I would like sort of like the Amazon brand um then sort of like like I would come at it from sort of like more of a brand perspective um, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
So <clears throat> that's interesting. So, um, and I guess while I'm on this subject, I'll ask you this. So at Project Voice, which is a major event we do a few weeks ago, um, there was a presentation by somebody who's leading this um, PR campaign to get Amazon to change the name of Alexa. And this woman says that um, the act of Amazon naming Alexa, Alexa has ruined her daughter, Alexa's life <laughs> and super interesting. And, um, you know, we're talking about Bixby. That's a non-gendered. I don't think anyone names themselves yeah. Bixby. I don't <laughs> they did i don't know what gender that would be um <laughs> but i don't think anyone else anyone names themselves google assistant um mm -hmm. yeah but uh but alexa that's a common name um does that um yeah all these companies are juggernauts they're all behemoths mm -hmm. but abstract that out ignore that for a minute does it does it bother you um, you know, being in college, learning about this stuff and really saturating yourself in the theory, um, does it upset you that some, that someone would name a voice assistant after a human being, or do you think that that is entirely appropriate? I don't know if I necessarily see it as appropriate. To me, it makes a lot of sense sort of marketing wise. Um, cause it makes it feel like you're talking to a person. Um, cause it, like you start, you start off like the command with Alexa, you know, turn on the lights. Um, and it, it, it sort of, it's, it, to me, it seems like it would be easier to talk to. Um, I can, I can well, see. Yeah. Well, that's actually from. Amazon's defense. Um, is right, it, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can like, uh, like this would be going back to the privacy issue from earlier. Um, like if you had someone whose name was Alexa, uh, you, it, the, the device would constantly sort of be in use and um, responding uh, to the situation, which sort of makes things difficult. Um, I don't know if inappropriate is sort of like the right word. So what I like, so, yeah. So I'll refer. Let, let me sort of frame it a little yeah. bit differently because we have we've had a lot of women on this show because women are very involved with this technology um, mm -hmm. for for obvious some obvious and some not so obvious reasons. Um, and you get, I would call it divergent opinions on voice assistant on issues related to voice assistance and gender. Um, and I just find it all very interesting. So what I, what I hear from you is that it's permissible for uh, Amazon to create a, uh, a female voice assistant. And even beyond that, it's permissible to name it with a woman's name in the, in, for the sake of um, cultivating usage and utility is that what i'm hearing yes yeah like yeah i personally would just i would feel more comfortable sort of feeling like i was talking to a person 
Okay. Very, very interesting. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, with what not just Amazon and, and Google are doing, but Samsung as well, I, I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. about that. And, um, yeah. you know, it sort of sidesteps these issues we were just talking about, but uh, an interesting story with Bixby, nevertheless. I want to move on to story number four and get your thoughts on this. Story number four centers around a white paper that Voiceify just released in which they uh, unveil something they call the modality framework for creating multimodal voice ex- voice experiences. Um, when you, um, we're going to rely on people like you to create good multimodal voice experiences. So, you know, there's a whole conversation that's, that, that takes place within, uh, you know, um, not just people who work in the space, but everybody else about how can we, how can we add voice to existing um, graphical interfaces, experiences, screens, and create something compelling. Um, is this an area that is of interest? Is is more of interest to you than than other areas? What What are your thoughts on? Um, you know, when you look at this white paper, which had a lot of interesting stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Share with us your thoughts on what goes into a good multimodal voice-oriented experience rather than one that's just voice, voice only. Um, what, what were your takeaways, uh, if any, from that, from, from the paper that Voice, voice of Pi released? Um, I, 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 my, one of my first thoughts was sort of going, I, I saw a demonstration by, so it's a company I think that was out of Edinburgh that was doing um, animation uh, based on um, uh, it's it's a sort of like a video of someone speaking and it's animation based on on, on that video and that sound um, and so it was interesting to sort of like combine reading this article um, with sort of looking at that example um and sort of thinking about um what uh what went into um like coming up with this idea and that technology um i particularly thought it was interesting uh um talking about the context and the conversation because a lot of times I sort of see voice in like a private, like in the home where it's kind of quieter and um, it, it would be easier for sort of voice to be picked up. And so um, thinking about where, where else like we're looking to incorporate voice, um, voice into sort of like daily situations. And then um like just sort of like like how how it would be incorporated into sort of a like more like mobile lifestyle. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, and, uh, you know because that's that's what um, I think that's what certainly what part of the promise is is that uh, mm-hmm. ability to layer on voice and have voice deeply entwined in the mm-hmm. the experiences that we have on devices like this. Um, yeah. You know today. 
Um, it just takes it all to a different place. It not only opens it up to new people, um, you know, and, and there's an accessibility component, but it just makes it easier and more convenient for everybody if it's done right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm on that page. Um, if you haven't checked out the Voiceify white paper, definitely do that. You have to enter some information in order to download that, but it's, it's full of, of good information. Uh, I encourage people to check that out. Story number five, and I want to wrap up with this, even before I go into story number five, it's something we've covered on this show um, off and on. Um, story number five is from The Verge, Michigan computer science faculty calls for former Clink CEO Jason Morris to take leave of absence. So uh, as I've noted on the show before, we have, we've had a real problem with this guy. Um, uh, I thought that uh, in times that I've, had the um that i've interacted with clink in the past um uh it's been forgettable uh they've got a lot of cultural problems over there and and sounds like they're now getting them, them figured out uh but uh, a lot of big news coming out with this verge article um the first news to drop was that he was resigning his uh ceo position at clink then the second news to come out was um, why, and it really laid out this long pattern of sexual abuse um, and uh, misbehavior. Uh, and then the third thing to come out is this article here where Michigan, his Michigan colleagues um, are calling for him to leave. Um, we're going to get into that, but uh, Corinne, I'm going to ask you, you know, you're going to enter enter the workforce, you've already interned for some companies in the space. Um, but you know, you're going to be looking for, for full-time gig, uh, sooner or later. What are the most important things to you that you look for or are thinking about or want to consider, um, in an employer in this space? Um, it's, it's kind of a hard question to answer, but, um, I think to me, like to need someone I'd be comfortable around. I I don't know sort of how to describe it more than that. Like 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 uh, like qualified and smart and interesting, but like there's something also um, like slightly more, to, uh, especially or at least to me, like um, like. Uh, I because you and like some and sometimes you just sort of like know that you're like not gonna like get along with a person and so something, um, like even just like personality wise, just like knowing that like I can get along and like respect someone. So like a shared sense of purpose. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. So that um, what what did you think when you were looking at this article about? this guy from Clink, um, the news had come out that he had, uh, I mean, sexual abuse is probably, it's probably letting him off easy for what it mm -hmm. actually was. It was just a, a, a really profound and disgusting pattern of behavior. But this story is about now that he's done that, his colleagues at his academic institution want him gone. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts on uh, if anything particular in particular jumped out at you about about this story. Yeah, um, I will say that my one of my first reactions was um, that it felt kind of like, and I don't know if it was sort of the way that the article was written, but it felt like the University of Michigan was not doing a lot um, in this scenario. Like it, it, it felt like it was sort of doing the bare minimum, um, which is, uh, I, cause I go to Georgetown. Um, like this is like, this is an issue across most college campuses, but it, it's, it, at Georgetown, it feels very much like if there's any kind of issue, especially with sexual harassment or in that area, it feels very much like schools try to do the bare minimum. Um, and so sort of that was the first thing that kind of jumped out at me was I didn't feel like the school was doing its best to make sure that its students were safe. Mm. That's not a real ringing endorsement. <laughs> um, but I also, I, I also would like acknowledge. No, I, I, you're, you're right. A bias in that. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't think it's how the the article was written at all. I think it's just the flat out facts. And you know, yeah. they're 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 um, they're definitely slow playing it. Because um, mm-hmm. interestingly, the guy had just gotten tenure um, yeah. at Michigan, and um, and so I, I guess they have to to um, respect their own previous decision and, and sort of mm-hmm. uh, be considerate to it as they make a decision. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances uh, to say the least. And uh, good to get your, your thoughts on that. Cause I, I hate ending with a sort of unsavory story, mm-hmm. but uh, Hey, sometimes you do what you got to do. Corinne, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to to chat with a an old, boring person like myself. This was great. This was really fun. Thank you so uh, much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to um, uh, to seeing uh, where you go and what you do. And um, you know, it's it's an exciting space, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of room in it. And uh, mm-hmm. A lot of things we need done. So I hope you're you're you're, you're learning a lot, and uh, you get ready to put the hard hat on because uh, <laughs> your assistance is needed. Uh, stat over here. <laughs> um, thank you for being part of the show, uh, and uh, thank you for for sharing your perspective with not just me but the audience as well. Great, yeah. Thank you so much. This has really been interesting. For this weekend, voice. Season 4, Episode 16. Thank you for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. And until next time.